the parable of the unmerciful servant. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, cancelled the debt and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who, who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I cancelled all the debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In his anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Let me just get a music stand. Do keep your Bibles open, uh, uh, Matthew. We'll be flicking around a little bit, but it should be all right. Okay, well, let's pray as we come to God's word. Father, we want to say thank you so, just for all that we've been hearing this morning. What an incredible encouragement it is to know that you are, by your spirit, bearing fruit in our city. And we pray that now, in this time here, you'd bear fruit in our lives for your glory and honour. As we come to terms with what you're saying to us through your word, will you speak powerfully and change us into the people you're calling us to be, more and more like Jesus. And in his name we pray. Amen. Well, I recently acquired a fish tank. It was a birthday present, this little fish tank. And what I discovered very quickly as I researched this fish tank was that um, fish are very, very beautiful. Well, I think they are anyway. But when you put them in a tank together, you have to be very careful which ones you put together. Because if you get it wrong, they eat each other and they fight. When you put all these fish in a tank together, it brings out their aggression It brings out their territorialism. It brings out all their little sensitivities as poor little fish. And it's carnage. It made me sort of think the same is kind of true of church, isn't it, really? 
Actually, when you put everyone in close proximity together, with all of our differences, as beautiful as we are, it can be carnage. But what we've been hearing week by week uh, from the fruit of the Spirit is that God, in his grace and his mercy, has chosen to get into the fish tank with us. Now, we know that's true, don't we, as we think about the Christmas message that God stepped into the world in the person of Jesus, he became flesh and dwelt among us. But actually, it's also true in terms of the Holy Spirit. You see, we are told in the Bible that we are a temple to the Holy Spirit, that God has made his home inside of each of us as we come and place our faith in Jesus. But he also says that as we gather as the people of God, as his church, we are now the temple in which God dwells by his spirit. And what we've been hearing week after week in this series that we've been going through is that the spirit is the comforter. He is the helper. He is the strength. He is the giver of life. He is the bearer of fruit amongst us. So as we serve as Christians, as we serve one another, we'll only serve in love with the help of the Holy Spirit. When we sin, we'll only repent and be restored and grow with the help of the Holy Spirit. When we experience tension and stress, start eating each other, we'll only actually find unity in the power of the Holy Spirit. And so when we think about the fruit of the Spirit, it is, first of all, a ministry of the Spirit in us and amongst us before it then becomes a ministry that we're involved as we keep in step with him. I was reminded of this as I was watching Strictly Come Dancing. I know you didn't think I watched Strictly Come Dancing, did you? Well, to be fair, I don't watch it religiously. But I was watching it and I was thinking, you know, it is just like ballroom dancing. There is one person who is set aside to lead. And they must lead, and they do lead, and the other must follow. In fact, their quality and their sort of contribution to it requires them to follow, to submit to the leader. And as they do, and as they dance together, well, it's a beautiful, graceful scene. But the same is true as God takes the lead in our lives. As he leads us by his spirit, we, says Paul, are to keep in step with him. And that means we're to submit to him. We're to let him take the lead. And if we do, it will be beautiful. (laughs) If we don't, it won't. But you see, God's power and his responsibility is entirely to lead us into this greater place of fruitfulness. But we have a responsibility in that, to submit to him and to keep in step with his lead.
And the result, we're told, is growth in love. Love that works itself out as love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And today we're thinking about gentleness. So, what is gentleness? How do we define gentleness? Well, there's two mistakes we can make. One is that we can say, gentleness has to be wimpiness. But that's not quite what gentleness is. I had a friend who used to enjoy trying to embarrass me as a Christian. Now, I am someone who is quite easily embarrassed, generally. And he used to take great pride in being able to to really embarrass me as publicly as he possibly could for being a Christian. And then he would say this, he'd say, and the great thing is, John, you can't do anything about it because you're a Christian. (laughs) I'm not suggesting I should be allowed to punch him in the face. Although I was tempted on a number of occasions. But actually, I'm also not a doormat, am I? Wimpiness is not gentleness. It's something else. But the second mistake that we make is that we think that faithfulness cannot include gentleness. So we think that in order to be uh, kind of truthful, in order to be faithful, well, gentleness will take second place. I mean, God is holy, isn't he? God cannot tolerate sin. He is just. The Lord Jesus is ruling on the throne of heaven and will one day return and banish all wickedness forever. And yet God is gentle. Sometimes we think that the Old Testament picture of God is the one where he's harsh. And the New Testament picture of God, well, that's the one where he's gentle. But actually, in the Old Testament, here's a description, a key description of what God is like. It comes in Exodus 34. The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God. Slow to anger and abounding in love and faithfulness. Maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. So if we have a definition for gentleness, it might be something like this. Strength under control. You see, it's not wimpiness. It's strength, but it's not out of control. It's not aggressive. It's gentle. In a sense, think of the picture of like a gymnast who is incredibly powerful, incredibly strong. And yet this is a strength totally under control. So much so, in fact, that they um, 
they perform or whatever gymnasts do. Do they perform? Jump around with incredible grace and beauty. So the opposite of gentleness would be harshness, wouldn't it? Or cruelty, we might say. That's a strength that's out of control. That's a strength that has lost its temper. Before we kind of think a little bit more about gentleness, I would just wonder whether gentleness is almost like the forgotten fruit of the Spirit. I think we pray often, don't we? For love, for joy, for peace. I know we all pray for patience. When was the last time you prayed for gentleness? So where do we go to see gentleness? Well, we go where we've been going every week, which is to Jesus. Because Jesus perfectly displays all of the fruit of the Spirit for us. But I actually just want to turn to Isaiah chapter 42. I think I've got it on the screen. Yes, I have, but it might be a bit small. So see if you can read that. So Isaiah 42 says this. So this is, this is God foretelling the coming of Jesus. And he's speaking of this servant of God who will come into the world and bring justice. He's speaking of the Messiah, the Christ, who will come. And he says this, here is my servant, Whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight, I will put my spirit on him and he will bring justice to the nations. He will not shout or cry out or raise his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. In faithfulness he will bring forth justice. He will not falter or be discouraged till he establishes justice on earth. In his teaching, the islands will put their hope. It's an amazing prophecy of the coming of Jesus in the Old Testament. Here is this this king, this servant of God, who will bring justice to the nations. And yet, do you notice in the middle what it says? A bruised reed he will not break. A smoldering wick he will not snuff out. Now, we don't really talk like that nowadays, but just as one image, just think of a candle, okay? And you blow out a candle, and what's left on the wick is a tiny little smoldering glow of red. What do you do? What do I do? That's it. But do you see what? This verse is saying, saying as God comes into the world in the person of Jesus, we are like smoldering wicks. And he does not go around going, you're no good. You're no good. You're no good. That is not how God behaves towards us. He is gentle with bruised reeds and smoldering
And so Jesus comes into the world. And what do we say? Gentle Jesus, meek and mild. But is that what we see? Well, he's not wimpy, is he, Jesus? You may uh, remember the moment where he, he storms into the temple, overturns the tables, and tells them that they have turned a, pr- a house of prayer for all nations into a den of robbers. Well, that's hardly wimpy. But it is still strength under control. And here is Jesus. This is how he describes himself. He says this in Matthew 11. Let me, again, I've got it there on the screen for us. Matthew chapter 11, Jesus says this. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus says, Come to me, for I am gentle. Of course, the whole message of the cross is that God has not come in and gone, snuffed us out. God has come into the world to make a way for us, as sinful and as wicked as we are, to come to him through the death of Jesus. Jesus does not snuff out smoldering wicks. He saves them. And so he says, come to me, for I am gentle. And I wonder whether maybe some of us need to hear that this morning. We need to hear Jesus say again to us, come to me. Come to me, for I am gentle. And as we do, it becomes the the engine, the driver for gentleness in our lives. And this really takes us to Matthew chapter 18, which was... um, One of the verses that Abby read for us this morning. One of the passages, sorry. So just there in Matthew 18, Jesus tells a parable. Peter comes to Jesus and says, Lord, how many times should I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? In Peter's mind, that's pretty generous, I expect. Jesus answers, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Or 70, 70 times seven. Which is how many, Ryan? 490 times. The point is, don't count. (laughs) Isn't it? Surely, that's the point. And then he tells this parable. 
The kingdom of heaven is like a king who wants to settle accounts with his servants. And as he begins to settle them, as he begins the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged. I'll pay everything back. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt and let him go. But when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him, began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I'll pay it back. Exactly the same phrase. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison Until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in, you wicked servant. I cancelled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant? Just as I had on you. In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother and sister from your heart. See, the point is this, that actually as we encounter the forgiveness of God, as we encounter the gentleness of God, it becomes the... the, the vehicle, it ought to become the vehicle, the, the, the driver for gentleness in our lives. In fact, I guess what Jesus is saying is, if that's not happening, you've never experienced the forgiveness of God. You can't have. So as we receive the gentleness of God, it teaches us to be gentle. To one another. Or to put it another way, it's a fruit of the Spirit. So just pause for a moment. I want you just to think back over your life. Think of the many sins, big and small, that you have committed. Think how the law of God demands your obedience. And think of the way that the Lord has dealt with you. Think of the gentle way he's kept you. Think of his mercy towards you rather than giving you what you deserve. So how does gentleness grow? How does it grow? It grows here, doesn't it? As we do this. 
And maybe actually it grows as we recognize that perhaps, shock horror, we are all bruised reeds and smoldering wicks. And actually, isn't gentleness about an awareness that the person you are interacting with has their story of their own and feelings of their own and sensitivities of their own, just like you do? Isn't it as we put ourselves in the shoes of the person we're speaking with that we begin to go more gently. And this really is what the gospel does for us. It puts us all on a level. I was reminded of the, the, the middle of the book of Ephesians. So Paul spends the first half, three chapters, telling these, these Christians all that God has done for them in the gospel. Everything he's done. And then he says this. Chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. As a prisoner of the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Wow, how do you live a life worthy of the calling that God has received? Go out and change the world. No. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient. Bearing with one another in love. So think of the person you are most critical of. This is great, isn't it? Think of the person. This is, this is going to really annoy us all. And it should. If it annoys you, good. So think of the person you are most critical of. I know it's probably now me, but that's fine. But it might be someone at home. It might be someone you're sat next to. You don't need to indicate. It's fine. It might be someone at school. You don't need to mention any names at all. It might be someone at church or work. Who knows? Now, just for a moment, put yourself in their shoes. Are you aware that you are just as flawed as they are. You have your story. You have your emotions. So do they. I have no grounds to feel superior or aggressive towards someone when, when they are displaying towards me the very same sin that exists in my own heart. And I want to suggest that is, where, that is where gentleness develops, isn't it? So look, our time is short. But the Bible seems to place the word gentleness in some really awkward places for us. 
And it's just good to just take a moment to acknowledge that because I suspect that's where God needs to do work in our hearts. The first is gentleness and sin. Gentleness and sin. So just, you might not have um, your Bibles at Galatians, but Galatians chapter 5, as the fruit of the Spirit finishes... The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Now look at chapter 6, verse 1. Brothers and sisters... If someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. Gentleness and sin. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. It's not wimpiness, is it? It's not weakness. It's strength under control. It understands the dangers of temptation and sin, and yet its priority is on the restoration of a person that God loves. Reminded me of the way Jesus speaks of Peter after the resurrection. If you remember, Peter denies Jesus three times. He basically doesn't think he's a disciple anymore. I suspect the other disciples don't think he's a disciple anymore either. And Jesus rises from the dead. And the women come to the tomb, and the tomb is empty, and they meet an angel, and they say, what have you done with Jesus? Where's Jesus? And the angel says, well, duh, he's in Galilee, where we told you he'd be, of course. Go and meet him there. Go and tell the disciples. And Peter. That's gentleness, isn't it? That's gentle restoration of people who think they've blown it. So let me ask you, do you need the gentle restoration of Jesus this morning? Well, don't leave here without praying with someone, doing business with God. Come and find me at the front if you want. Gentleness and leadership. I think it's really important, isn't it, that in the description of what it means to be an elder, the qualifications for eldership, person should not be violent, but gentle. In fact, Peter, uh, Paul, so Paul says in 2 Timothy this, he says, the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. Opponents must be gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth. Gentleness 
is a key attribute for Christian leadership. Maybe we're an elder here this morning. Maybe we're a ministry team leader here this morning. Maybe we're the pastor here this morning. I'll never forget, at the end of Bible college, we used to have these um, sort of... uh, Church services in college once a week, and they'd have um, a visiting preacher who'd come and preach. Sometimes it was great, sometimes it wasn't, but it, it was great to be together with the people who were training together for ministry. And I'll never forget one occasion in one of these services, the visiting preacher came in and he just said, What are a bunch of guys who think they know everything? who are about to go into leadership, need a sermon on. And he preached on gentleness. It's probably the only sermon I remember from those services. And finally, and appropriately for this morning, gentleness and the city. Peter says, in your heart, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give a reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. I think we've had a number of amazing examples of that this morning, haven't we? People who have given their lives to giving a a reason for the hope that they have in Jesus. But are thinking hard about what it means to do that, to lead people to Christ with gentleness and respect. We don't have any more time, but if we did, we'd see that gentleness and humility go together. It's pride that blocks our ability to be gentle. But if God has been gentle with us, and we want people to be gentle to us, then let us pray that we might be more gentle ourselves. And as we finish, there's just one challenge, and it's in my bag. So let me find it. It takes the form of two bananas. This banana is, is green. In fact, it's, it's gone a little bit yellow since I bought it yesterday. But it's green. Does anyone like green bananas? There are some really strange people in the world. Sorry. I mean, I mean that gently, obviously. But ordinarily, green bananas are less nice than yellow bananas. But how do you get from a green banana to a yellow banana? How does, let me put it another way, how does fruit ripen? 
See, actually, you can keep a banana green for a long time if you keep it cold and if you keep it covered. But if you want your banana to go yellow, it needs to be in a warm place, uncovered. If you want it to ripen, it needs air. It needs warmth. And I'm sorry to say, it also needs time. So as we finish, we want God to ripen his fruit in our lives. Then we need to be willing to patiently expose the sin of our hearts to the warmth of our gentle Jesus. If we really want God to ripen the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, we need to be willing to patiently expose the sin of our hearts to the warmth of our gentle Jesus. Let me pray. Father, thank you for your gentleness to us. Maybe we have exposed again to ourselves the sin of our hearts. Maybe for some of us we need to really confess our sin before you and repent again. Maybe for some of us we need your gentleness, perhaps in a way that we never believed we've needed it before. Maybe there are people in our lives that we're struggling to to be gentle with. Maybe it's unusual for us to pray, make me gentle, give me gentleness. But Father, will you do that, we pray. In the power of your Holy Spirit and in the name of Jesus, gentle Jesus.